Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where supermodifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Inside Groove. This is our 59th episode of the Reborn Inside Groove podcast. My name is Tom Baker. I am happy to be with you on a very special Friday. As I'm sure most of you know, today is September the 11th, 2020. And I saw a few days ago when I was planning the show that we um, were going to be recording and, and posting on September 11th, 9-11. And it kind of occurred to me that this show ought to be a little bit different. Those of you who know me well know that although racing is a huge part of my life and it is, it has been for the last, uh, well, about uh, 16 years or so, uh, my profession and has always been uh, from 1988 forward has been a part of my profession in some way or other. Um, So, you know, 30-plus years. Um, Those of you who know me well know that although racing is a big part of my life, it has never been, nor have I ever meant it to be, my entire life. I've always believed that there was more to life than racing, and that there was more to racing than just what happens on the track. And I think a lot of what shapes my love for the sport and what makes me appreciate the sport so much, uh, and even more as the years go on, um, you know, more now than even I did uh, in in my earlier years, in some ways, um, probably because I'm older and hopefully a little wiser, um, is the fact that you know racing consists of people. It's it's on track excitement and it's checkered flags and it's side by side battles and three wide and you know all of those things, speed and the the noise and and the atmosphere. Um, it's all of those things, but uh, it's the people that make those things happen. It's the people in the sport that for me make it what it is. And so um, with that being the case, I felt compelled this week to kind of dial the show back a little bit in some ways. Um, I decided that I wasn't going to have a featured guest um and i thought that it would be i thought that it would be interesting for me to share everybody has a 911 story and and some are more in depth than others and obviously those who were directly involved in the main events so to speak um their stories are the ones that we all should be 
remembering and uh, particularly, obviously, those whose lives were taken on that day as a result of the terror and, and the events that, that unfolded. And, um, and so, but I realized that I, you know, I have a story of that day and it, and it's, it's kind of, it's, I think it's interesting and it's kind of in, in certain spots. Um, I don't want to say it's funny, but it kind of is. Um, so I thought that we would, we would take, I would take some time here, and I hope you'll bear with me. I I just feel it's important that sometimes we remember that racing isn't everything. And I think particularly this year, with everything that's going on in the country and the fact that, you know, if I put my Oswego Speedway slash Super Modified hat on, which obviously is the hat that I wear, proverbial hat that I wear when I do this show in each episode, um, you know, we, we just haven't, we had no season, um, and I think one of the life lessons that we learn from this is it can be taken away just as easily, you know, as, as you as it happens. And so, I feel like what you take from that is don't take anything in life for granted. And on September eleventh, two thousand and one, I think all of us woke up. Um, at least those who woke up uh, early in the morning. Uh, we woke up feeling like life was great, uh, you know, and it was just another normal morning in our lives until it wasn't. And at a, somewhere between 8 and 9 a.m., the, the world stopped. And normal was never quite normal again. Normal was interrupted. And so I thought I would share my story, which I will here in a moment. I will tell you that also Cam, Camden Proud will be on the show uh, in our next segment. Um, and he actually has uh, a 9-11 story of his own, though he was very young. Um, that he'll share with us. And so when you hear the final product of the show, you will now realize that I taped Camden's segment first, um, even though I put it at the end of the show. Uh, I had kind of a whole um, a whole other concept of what I wanted this show to be. And then uh, after I taped Camden's episode, or Camden's segment for this, it kind of gave me pause for a little bit to rethink some things and decided that I would shorten the show even further from what I was going to do. So we're we're going to pause our classic rewind segment as well for a week and bring that back next week with uh, the 1990 classic. I just, it just didn't, today just doesn't feel like a day when you ought to be celebrating things. Today feels like a day when we should be sort of reflecting and should be taking pause of our lives and and where we're at and um praying for first responders and 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 our troops and and uh you know praying for our leaders in the country uh who are trying their best to um 
to quell all of this stuff that's going on. So it just didn't really feel like a day when we should be um, grandstanding too much or celebrating too much. It felt more like a day of pause and reflection and prayer, at least for me. So um, I I wanted to kind of keep this show to that that theme um, because, again, we're all family, and I feel like sometimes you just got to slow down a little bit and this is this just felt like one of those days. So um, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, I'm going to take you back to September 11th, 2001. I'm going to share my story, uh, which, again, um, I, I feel like it's a story worth sharing. And I, I think it's it is kind of amazing in some spots in some ways um coincidence coincidence kind of amazing um and it shows you and cam's story will also show you it shows you how you can be far away from something and yet be thought of as being right in the middle uh or you can be far away from something that happens and yet the tentacles from that reach you all that distance away, and that certainly happened to me, and it happened to Cam uh, as well. And I'm sure all of you have your own stories, and feel free to share them in the comments. I think it's important sometimes that we use what we have for, you know, the benefit of others, or for a little bit of a higher plane than than just to kick back and tell racing stories. Though those stories are important, and the people behind them are important, and all of that. So. I'm going to take a commercial break, if you'll pardon me to do that. And then when we come back, I'll share my uh, story of where I was and what I did on September 11, 2001. And uh, then we'll hear from Cam as well. So um, hope you enjoy uh, this kind of different uh, Inside Groove podcast. We'll talk about the number 59 um, as well before we're done here because uh that i will allow us to celebrate a little bit and it's kind of been tradition for us here to do this for the last uh half of our season first season or what half of our time together i think we started at 37 so it's been some shows um and um i just had so much respect for ernie and bob june over the years that um really want to kind of get into some of the history of that number uh, and their involvement in the Speedway. So we'll get to that as well. Uh, We'll be back with uh, more of Inside Groove right after this. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. 
Check out their entire inventory online at victorcustomtrailers.com. When Marlon Shirley was five years old, he was in an accident and lost his foot, but he didn't lose his heart. When you tackle a challenge that you just cannot even fathom tackling, when you accomplish that, the amount of integrity and the will and the heart that you'll get from that experience is what will set you up for your life. In less time than it took Marlon Shirley to say that, he can now run 100 meters because today he's the world's fastest amputee. Overcome. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with episode 59. Okay, I want to take all of you back to September 11th, 2001. And as you sit and listen to me recount my personal story of the day, I'm sure that you will be reflecting on your own uh, situation and wherever you were, I think again is, I think it goes without saying that that was one of those days. If you were, if you were alive and old enough to be aware, everybody remembers where they were on September 11th, 2001. That morning started for me, just like I'm sure it did for many others as a pretty normal morning, just like any other. At the time, my situation was that uh, I was uh, was at home with uh, my mother. Um, my dad had passed away in late 1999, Thanksgiving weekend of 1999, and so um, I had come back home um, just prior to that, uh, I think it was the summer of 99, I'd come back home to kind of help mom a little bit. And um, so I was still there with her and working at a pair of radio stations in Newark, New York, as a program director. And so I was driving, I don't know, I guess about an hour and a half or whatever each way. I don't remember the distance, but Newark, New York, for those of you who don't know, is um, toward Rochester, western New York area, um, western side, I guess I'll say, for our general purposes here, western side of the Finger Lakes. Um, So, again, keep in mind Newark, New York, because that comes into my story later um i woke up that morning and and my my shift was um a, a later day shift that i worked um and it was it was part time it wasn't a full time job it was a part time job i was also um in the very beginnings of what is now my business um my media work and um, so doing some of that, and so my shift at the radio station was uh, actually, like, uh, generally, I think it was like noon to seven or noon to eight, something along those lines. Um, maybe not even that. I think it was like noon to five, actually, now that I think back. It wasn't a long shift, but it was um, it was, uh, it was a very entertaining job, actually, and I loved uh, who I was working for, um, and... So on that morning, 
September 11th, 2001, I, uh, I woke up and was, uh, had breakfast and I was in the shower getting ready for the day and there was a knock on the bathroom door. It was my mother. Now, <laughs> those of you who know my mom <laughs> will understand <laughs> how this happens. But uh, if you don't know my mother, my mother is the most amazing woman I've ever known. She's the most godly woman I've ever known. Um, and she, <laughs> but she, she's also very intelligent and articulate and a lot of my penchant for, uh, how do I put this, uh, um, change and, and helping things grow and, and improve um, you know, the champion of causes kind of mentality that comes from her. And and those of you who've been around Oswego long enough, have seen her articles in the paper. She has a hard time now. She has a tremor. She has a hard time, um, actually writing anymore, which I know really bothers her more than she admits because she, she loves to write articles and such. And, but she, she's never gotten into the whole computer thing. And that's probably just as well too. <laughs> um, because when it comes to, that type of mechanical machinery or whatever um she she isn't necessarily um very adept um she has a flip phone for a cell phone and um doesn't really know how to check messages which is fine too uh but she, so at any rate um she but again but but those of you who know my mom Every once in a while, mom just doesn't quite get the story straight. <laughs> and so she knocks on the bathroom door. On September 11th of 2001, she knocks on the door and says this. A plane has just landed on top of the tower in New York City. Now, think about that again. I'm going to say it again so you get, you'll probably get, you know, the the same image I got. A plane has just landed on top of the tower in New York City. Now, my, at that moment, I'm thinking this is entertaining, right? This is, because again, if you think about the image, for me, the image I got in my head is, you know, somebody decided that they wanted to be famous. Um, so, you know, they took their little twin engine, you know, prop plane or something, um, you know, and landed it on top of a tower. And again, I know which tower it didn't, you know, there's absent of any other information. Um, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be one of those stories that we're all going to laugh about, you know, somebody just being <laughs> not too smart. Um, so I'm just like, all right, I'll, you know, when I get ready, I'll, uh, when, you know, come and I'll turn on the TV. Um, well, so I got dressed and decided to <laughs> go to my room my office room in the house and turn on the TV. And obviously I turned the TV on expecting to see a certain 
thing or image or, um, you know, I was I was prepared to be entertained by the silliness of this person who did such a crazy thing. Um, <coughs> excuse me, not what I got, obviously, when I turned it on. Um, you know, you I, I turned it on and, and um, the second plane had not yet uh come in so i'm 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 looking at this and first of all you know it when you see something that you've never really seen before i mean you you see something that is not sort of um native to you or understandable to you or or it takes you a minute to kind of process what you're looking at so i'm i'm i i now realize that this is a big plane and it was not it did not land on a tower it it smashed into the tower and you know there's chaos and you know everybody's the images of people just running and and um it it just you know i'm watching this and I, I'm looking at this like, what? What am I looking at here? What? What? How does a plane crash into a building like that? What? What in the world happened to this plane? I'm thinking, you know, this plane had mechanical failure, you know, of some sort, and and it just or what? You know, what is happening here? And and as I'm trying to process and I'm listening, I don't even know what's what station i had on to be honest um it i guess it doesn't matter but as i'm trying to 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 listen and trying to to figure out what all was going on all of a sudden in comes the second plane and i start hearing people talk about and use the word attack we're being attacked and bear in mind, I was born in 1967. I obviously grew up in the 70s and 80s and 90s, and now here it is, 2001. We had not had, I mean, we'd had a few um, incidents of terror, so to speak. Um, you know, there had been a, uh, you know, there had been a few uh, things that had happened in you know in that period of time um i've actually realized there were a few more uh terrorist type activities going on even in the 70s than i realized of course at the time when you're young you don't you know you don't know of all of, of all such things um you know i remember for example those of you who are old enough to remember the 70s or you know have been kind of old enough in the 70s to know what was going on the name patty hurst and and uh you know, I, I since since I've grown up and more, you know, I've learned more about her whole organization and all of those people and and you know, uh, what is it called, Weather Underground or whatever it, it is. Um, that uh, just you know some of those other groups that again you hear about them when you're when you're little, but you just don't really know anything or understand and and then you get older and you know if you research as i do and you want to kind of understand the your history 
then you learn more about those things. So I'd experienced some of that um, uh, through just education as I've gotten older, but this was something else. This was, uh, again, at that point, um, two planes hitting one in each tower, and then I realized, okay, this is the twin towers. This is the, you know, this is New York City. This is the you know, financial capital, the, you know, the, the, this is, this is, um, you know, this is in my state. This is, this is really close to home. You know, you start to sort of process that in terms of time, in terms of space and time and, and distance from, you know, it, it's, you see something happen in Portland, Oregon, and you're sitting in North Carolina it's happening over there. You know, it isn't, it's over there. It doesn't make it something that's less concerning. It just, it's a different sort of emotion about it when it's happening over there. You know, there isn't that sense that your particular life at that moment could be imminently in danger. Well, when you have two planes crash into the towers in New York City, and you're sitting in Oswego, New York, okay, you're six hours or whatever north and west of New York City, but it's still New York State. Like, this is home. This is here, and they're talking about attack, and then I heard the word terror, and then you start thinking about, my God, what in the world has happened here? You know, what is going on and, you know, who are these people and why are they attacking? Why would they attack? Why? And, 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 and is this, are there other, what else is going to happen? Um, you know, we're, we're all kind of caught in that, that moment of, of, of fear of, of what. And so, um, as I started to watch all of it and then, I kind of realized, wait a minute, I'm I'm program director of a news talk. RM was a news talk station. FM was was not. It was a music format, country country music format station, but the the AM station was a news talk and so I I I ought to call my boss and see does he need me to go in? You know, I mean, what are we doing with this as 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 a station? How are we covering this, or what is? So, I I was interested in calling him, and I did, and and he told me that he had flipped both stations to CNN, uh, and was running uh, running. I think it was CNN running the CNN feed on both stations, just simulcasting. And so since we weren't doing anything local, you know, live as far as, you know, local um, programming at that moment, it was just simulcast satellite. Um, He said there was no reason for me to come in early. I had, um, I I had, I remember I had a stack of commercials, commercial production to do that day. And I knew that when I left the day before. So I asked him about that and he said, well, yeah, I still want you to come in just, you know, um, get here when you can. Um, and you know, let's just do whatever you need to do and can do, but just know that 
we're not doing anything local. So I I think it was I think I got there right about noon and um you know obviously I wanted to to listen to some of what was being covered on our air and so I did that for a bit and then was going to start my commercial production but before I could do that we got a phone call um and I happened to pick it up now again bear in mind that the stations I worked at at that time were in Newark New York again think Rochester think Western Finger Lakes that area of the state and then I want you to visualize kind of a map of New York State here in your head and put a dot uh, New York City and put another dot Newark, New York you know just put a dot Rochester is fine if you don't know exactly where Newark is just put a dot Rochester or whatever and just kind of appreciate the difference in locale now I want you to look a little in your head farther south of New York City and across the way uh, is Newark, New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey, right? And Newark, New Jersey is the place where the third plane, which by now we all were aware that a third plane had left Newark, New Jersey and gotten uh, hijacked in the air and was heading for Washington, D.C. for what they first thought was the White House, and it turned out it was the Capitol. But either way, the the citizens who were on that plane agreed by a show of hands that the terrorists were not going to get away with what they were planning to do. And they rushed the cockpit, and the plane brought the plane down straight into the ground and obviously killed them all. The plane literally disintegrated. It hit with such force, it literally disintegrated um, in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And so, again, bear in mind, that plane left Newark, New Jersey, I'm in Newark, New York. The phone rings at the radio station, and I answer it. And it was it was a guy who said this. Now, again, also keep in mind, our station in Newark, New York, which, oh, by the way, doesn't reach anywhere near Newark, New Jersey. I mean, this was way before you had these, you know, digital platforms that could make your local station into a worldwide station, right? Um, So our signal doesn't get anywhere near Newark, New Jersey. Uh, There was a guy who called our station who said this to me after I answered the phone, and bear in mind, we're running CNN's live satellite feed 
So we're not even we're not even doing local programming here. This isn't our people talking about whatever's going on. This is CNN. And this guy says this. You're running some bad information on your station. I said, we're doing what? He said, you're, you're, you're running false information on your station. I said, well, and again, I, I, I mean, at that, that moment, it didn't occur to me to, yet to say, well, we're running CNN's satellite feed. It, my, my first question was, what, what's false? What are we saying? That's, what's false? What are you, tell me, what, what are you talking about? And the guy says, the, the New Jersey Parkway is not closed. And I said, excuse me? He said, the the New Jersey Parkway is not closed. I said, uh, or maybe it was the Garden State Parkway, whatever the big, I think it's the New Jersey. No, 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 sorry, New Jersey Turnpike. The New Jersey Turnpike, I think, is what he said, but um, it's not closed. And so I'm in my head, I'm still trying to process somebody telling me what's going on on the New Jersey, you know, turnpike or whatever, parkway, and um, and why that, how he got to me. And then, so I said to him, I said, sir, where where are you right now? Are, are, are you on the turnpike or the parkway, whatever? And he said, he said, no. He said, but I, I was, and he said, it's not closed. I just... I just got to my building. I said, so you're in New Jersey right now? He said, yes. I said, well, sir, I, I, I'm, I ask this because I, I'm interested. How, how are you hearing? And then it was about that time I'm trying to frame this question that, it, that, that my mind finally clicked on. We're, we're running a satellite feed. I said, how are you hearing what? what's going on in our station? We're running a satellite feed from CNN. And he said, well, they're wrong then because I'm telling you, it's not closed. It's open and people need to know that. I said, sir, we're in Newark, New York. I said, now I said, Newark, New Jersey, where you are is probably eight hours or more south or west of where our station is right now. We're in Newark, New York. I said, how did you even get our number? And I said, I said, I can't help the content because it's CNN. It's a, it's a feed. It's a satellite feed. We have no control over what they're saying. And he said, you're in Newark, New York. Where's that? <laughs> and, and, and what, what ended up, being the truth was that he, our number for whatever reason that he called apparently was um, close to, of course, the wrong area code, but the actual number, the last four were similar to the radio station in Newark, New Jersey that he was trying to call and wherever he went to find that number gave him our number somehow. So he calls our station and um, it was the crazy, and so he's like, oh, <laughs> and I said, I said, you, you know, I don't know how you get to CNN, but I said, if you can find a, a way to get to CNN, you can, 
I said, but I don't think you're hearing our feed anyway all the way down there. I don't think we got even close. They said, you're listening to a station close to you. You need to figure out what that station is. Well, you know, so um, we we kind of hung up, and I just sort of sat there. And I remember my boss, John Tickner, coming. He came out of his office, and, he, and I must have had this sort of dazed look on my face. He's like, what's the matter? And I told him about the phone call, and we just all we could do is kind of look at each other and laugh. Like, how in the world did that happen? So I go off into the production studio, and I do my commercials. And I don't know how much later it is, maybe an hour. Uh, and I, I'm out of the production studio. I'm sitting at my desk doing whatever. I, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> You know, whatever, it doesn't matter for the story. I'm sitting at my desk, phone rings again. I picked it up. Hello, W-A-C-K, this is Tom. How may I help you? Um, and the voice on the other end, I immediately identified as a voice or an accent that is not typically American. I don't do a good Australian accent, but this I, but I know it when I hear it. Well, this is so-and-so from... Somewhere, wherever city, he said, in in Australia. And again, I'm just, my, my, uh, you know, you're, 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 he has my attention. And so he's calling because he wants to talk to, they want to provide coverage of this. This radio station in Australia wants to provide coverage of this, of, of what's going on here in New York City, and they're they're looking for, you know, that, that so-called expert or liaison or, you know, the sort of on-the-spot the person that they can use as their contact who can go on the air with them and whatever and, and be that, that liaison for the coverage. <laughs> and I'm just... At that point, I'm just blown away. And I said to him, I said, well, sir, I said, um, I said, we're actually in Newark, New York. And I said, if you kind of looked at a map of the state of New York and, and looked at New Jersey below, I said, Newark, New York is way up in the central part of New York State. about, And then about, you know, three or four hours west, depending on where you draw your first stop from. I said, it's probably eight or nine hours from Newark, New Jersey. I said, the, the, the name of the city is the same, but... I said, I can understand why you'd assume, because that's what I had thought about in between after the first call. I'd sort of come to the conclusion that for some reason this guy happened to find this Newark, New York number, figured, well, there must be a Newark, New York right over on the other side of the, <laughs> you know, across the, 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 the bay. And, um, and, and we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to call that. Well, this gentleman from Australia, I'm sure that's what he thought. And... You know, and so I explained it to him, and he was like, oh, my gosh. And I said, well, I said, sir, I said, I have an idea for you. I said, um, sometimes in the evenings when the AM frequencies all start what we call skipping over here, and, and you start to be able to hear stations from farther away, um, I said, there's a, a station called AM 500, which is a New York City-based AM station, it's a news talk, by, you know, right, right at 500 on the dial, I said, um, I'd be happy to 
you know, happy to 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 uh, look up their information for you, um, or you can. He said no. He said we'll we'll do that. He said and and he you know he read the call letters back or whatever, and um, you know we said our goodbyes, and I I went right into the boss's office. I said, John, you're not going to believe this one. And so we had not one, but two incidents during that day where people who were nowhere close to us, but because we're in Newark, thought or assumed that, you know, we're right there. And, and, and of course, you know, it. You know, it, it's kind of, when you think about it, Newark, New York probably should be <laughs> down there, right? Um, but it isn't. It's over western, you know, western part of central New York. Um, we had two different phone calls that day, and I happened to field them both from people who thought we were right in the middle of it all. In reality, we're hours away, and yet we end up kind of being dragged into at least for a few moments at a time you know dealing with or trying to so it's it goes to show you it was really a, a crazy day honestly and i think we as i remember um i think we stayed we just stayed wall-to-wall uh satellite that entire day i don't think we ever came back to local um on either station until the next day and then I think even the next day we might have still been running satellite on the AM. I can't remember at least for part of the day, but um, it was it was just the strangest day. And you know, as I was driving home that day, I'm kind of recalling the day in my mind and and thinking, this is something to tell the grandkids. You know, this is like, you know, here I was, not even anywhere close. And yet, you know, everybody thought I was or thought we were, you know, and uh, and I'm fielding a call from Australia. And I'm, you know, the call from the guy who was on the, the turnpike. I think it was the New Jersey turnpike um, that that's, you know, swore and just really was insistent that we correct ourselves. Um, and we're no <laughs> close in how we got our number. And, you know, it's it just was a bizarre day. Um, and you know, the, and so that's my story of nine eleven, and, and I just remember that whole day feeling like everything I was doing with maybe the exception of those two phone calls, thinking back, um, everything I was doing was just so, you know, unimportant. Um, you're watching the coverage, you know, I'm listening to it on our air. We've got a TV on, so you're watching it, you know, the pictures that you can see and, the, and, and realizing what has happened, seeing the towers fall, um, you know, people flying everywhere. I mean, just the images, um, air traffic comes to a stop, um, Camden will tell you in his story here in a bit uh, about even um, other modes of transportation affected. 
Uh, it was just such a, it was such a difficult day. It was such a sobering day, and it was a shocking day. It was one of those days when you realize how small, and as I said, unimportant, really, your life is when something like this is going on, and yet, you know, everybody's life is important and nobody's small, right? We're all, we all can make a difference. We all can can do good. We all can make things better. We all can engage and um, take action for things that we believe in. Um, you know, we all can, can spread the word and, and, um, you know, whatever, uh, it was, it was really, a it was really an amazing day. And, and, and I remember even the next day, you know, you just, because again, in, in the days that followed, you know, it was almost like you have an earthquake and then you have the aftershocks and the aftershocks in a lot of ways can be as impactive as the earthquake itself. Um, and so if you look at what happened on September 11th as the earthquake, then you had aftershocks for, for days afterward. And, and what I mean by that is metaphorically speaking, you know, again, air traffic stops, um, everything in New York city stopped almost. I mean, you know, all, um, it, all the, for example, like, uh, I used to watch David Letterman, you know, the talk shows, the things that, you know, they stopped all of that for 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 a bit. Um, you know, there was just sort of that pause, sports pause, NASCAR, um, you know, paused. And, and I mean, everything just stopped. Um, and that was kind of a rolling stop. And so in that respect the effect of what happened on this day nine year, 19 years ago was it, it sort of started a chain of events that continued for, you know, for days afterward. Um, and it just, it took, I think it took everybody who wasn't directly involved it it took all of us who were kind of observing this from a distance. It took us some time to even process what had happened and the 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 seriousness of it um and and the fact that that life was probably not gonna be the same again in some way. We just didn't know how. Um and of course, eventually, things started to come back, and sports came back. And I mean, you know, you just think about um, all of the tributes and and the energy and the um, sense of unity that the country quickly felt. I mean, didn't matter what party you were, didn't matter what race you were, didn't matter what it didn't matter. We're all Americans. We we became one. On September 11th, and and we were one on September 12th and 13th and 14th, and you know it, it it's just it the the unity and the sense of coming together as a country that that happened following that attack 
was, you know, the attack was something that I'd never seen or witnessed or felt before in my lifetime. And then that sense of unity and that sense of being Americans, that the sense of pride, the sense of, of we're, we reject this. We're not, this is not going to happen. And even I, I, I feel like even, um, those on, on that flight that brought down the, the plane in Pennsylvania, no, their, their whole attitude was no. If we've got to give our lives to this, that, that plane's not, nobody else is going to get hurt here. Where This is not happening. And, and, and I think that's the kind of unity that we need to find again in this country. And um, it, it was pretty... It was pretty overwhelming. The attacks were overwhelming. The days following were overwhelming. But also, I think, the coming back and the moments, you know, the first NASCAR race back, the, you know, the, 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 the baseball, the Mets and Yankees games, you know, the, the it, it was just so much love for each other and for the country and determination and you know the bush moment of of you know standing on top of that pile of rubble with his arm around the fireman and and uh you know didn't somebody hands him a a a bullhorn because i think it was his press secretary or someone decided he needed to say something because we really hadn't heard from 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 bush up to that point because obviously it was still early on and you're trying to you know be in the bunker figuring the strategy of what we're and so he he gets there and he and it was completely unplanned and he makes that that little speech there where he you know I can hear you and and the the irony of it is he didn't even know how to use the the bullhorn and that that whole that thing that was an accident because somebody had said we can't hear you and and George finally figured out how to make the bullhorn work, so it, it amplified what he was saying. And and uh, and you know, I can hear you. And then, of course, you know the um, the line about um, you know I can hear you, the country can hear you, and the people that knock down these buildings are going to be hearing from all of us soon. Um, that will be etched into my brain forever. Um, it was. It was exactly in that moment, it was exactly what the country needed to hear, that we're going to fix this. We're, 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 this, we're not going to take this lying down. You know, we're, we're going to fix this. Now, um, you know, we can have a different discussion about how, you know, how that all happened and whether it should happen the way it did and whatever, um, you know, not even on the show, because I don't want to get into the politics of it. Um, all I'm saying is that at that moment in time, what he said was exactly what needed to be said. And I can, I can remember, I don't even know how long it was, but, but eventually, um, obviously the, uh, you know, the Letterman show came back. It might've been a week or two weeks. I don't remember how long he was off. Um, but eventually they felt it was okay. It was time. It was, it was okay to come back and, and maybe, you know, Maybe we all need to laugh a little and whatever, but I can remember that before we got to laughing again, David Letterman 
did this really amazing kind of monologue at the start of his first show back. And I don't remember all of it. Um, I just remember him. I remember the line, does this make any sense? You know, um, and again, it was, it was from the heart and it was, I just felt like it was for, for the people watching that show that night. Again, it's, it's what he needed to say. It wasn't overtly political. It was, it was really just, you know, it was an expansion of the word why, you know, um, in just a little bit of a rant, I guess. But, um, so I, I really, I really felt like this was the time and place to take some time on this show and bring this back to a motorsports sort of scenario here and to say, those of us who are fans of Oswego Speedway and who have um, been a part of Oswego Speedway's history um, and, and love it so much had our world rocked this year. Um, and again, I'm not going to, you know, get into the politics or whatever, but to say that I think on September 11th, I think we, we now have our own, you know, example of how quickly something can be taken away. I mean, obviously, you know, none of us are losing our lives over it as over 3000 people did on this day in 2001, but um, sometimes it's good to remember that there's more to life than race cars, even though we all like for that to be all we have to deal with. Um, And uh, we need to remember to spread the love and we need to remember to, uh, you know, to tell each other how we feel about each other. And we need to remember to treat each other well. And we need to remember to, have each other's backs um, because life is a very precious thing. It's also a very fleeting thing. As a Christian, um, I believe that God has a plan for all of us, but we don't know what that is. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. In fact, an hour from now is not guaranteed. So we need to really not waste time um, in making sure that we take care of each other and, um, that was really the the main point I wanted to bring out of all of this, um, in addition to just kind of leavening the, um, you know, the excitement of this show a little bit. And I, I, again, I just didn't feel like we ought to be really celebrating anything per se. Um, we can get back to classic conversation next week. And again, I intend to, we're on 1990 and we'll go five-year increments until we, um, till we, uh, have finished with 2015. Um, and then of course, uh, 2020 has not been run. So, um, we'll finish that, that up from week to week. And, uh, again, there's not much else to talk about <laughs> racing wise. So, uh, why not, um, why not kind of look back at some classics and have some fun reflecting on some of the greatest moments in speedway history. Um, and the greatest uh, accomplishments as well. Um, so we'll get back to that next week. I do want to, before we take our break here, I do want to spend some time talking about episode 59, the number 59, 
Um, because I do think that we can, again, in the spirit of, of treating people well and, and, uh, and, and letting them know how we feel. I mean, obviously, um, Ernie and Bob June were car owners at Oswego for what? 20, 25, 30 years. I don't even know exactly. I know they, I think they had cars in the sixties. Um, so it well could have been. Uh, 30 years or so. I don't even remember when they stopped owning cars. Um, when the 59 ran its last race, I'm sure somebody else can can uh, tell us that. Um, tell me that in the comments, please do. But that car, I started going in 73, but I, you know, I've, I, I've, I read back, you know, people always had, I always knew people that had older programs, so you always kind of just, got a sense and and you know you'd once in a while you'd you'd see something even in one of the current programs where somebody'd talk about the past and you'd see a, this driver or that driver and and um so you know i i think the first part of the 59's history that i became aware of in terms of the june brothers was um back in the 60s i think um they had i think it was a rear engine car it was some sort of a a different kind of car and i i can't remember exactly i i at least i think and again i i don't i try very hard not to i try to resist the urge to to go do my do hours of research on on all of this when i talk about the number because i just i want it to be out of my own brain and i like the fact that people can who are you know their brains may have more knowledge than mine can also get into the discussion and add to it so that's kind of the point but um it seems like there was a rear engine car of some sort uh i almost want to say i think it was a twin engine kind of deal but i don't then that could have been somebody else but i i think there was something with them in the 60s but i remember jim winks that's the first eldon schrader and jim winks were the first two drivers that i remember reading about it being in the 59 and 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 that would be you know early 70s of course uh schrader first i think and then uh, Jimmy Winks uh, drove it, and I remember him driving it, was it 73 or 4? I think 3. I think when I first started going in 73, he was in it. And gosh, that color yellow. I always loved the, I loved yellow cars. And there were, you know, uh, Eddie Bellinger always had gorgeous-looking cars. You know, the June Brothers car, they always did a nice job with that the color yellow that was on it. They had some white at one point and I think there was some brown in one of them. And, um, but they were always that real kind of nice colored yellow. Um, and I remember Jimmy Winks driving it, uh, again, either 73 or 74. Mark Letcher was in it for a little while. Joe Paino, uh, drove it. I think again, I'm thinking 74, classic time he was in it for a few weeks before classic crashed it in a preliminary crash on classic weekend and never did get to run the race but um jimmy muldoon had a couple of stints in it they built a new car oh george kent also um that particular 59 car i think again 74 maybe at the end of the season maybe it was 75 george kent drove it um for a night i remember him i remember him ending up um 
I don't know if he crashed into it or just spun and stopped there. I I, I just remember it, I have a flash in my head of him ending up a, underneath the flag stand against kind of where the water barrels are now. Um, and uh, Brian Osgood got into uh, the newer car that they built. Again, I think it's mid-70s I'm talking now. Uh, Brian Osgood drove it for a while, and then I think uh, I think Jimmy Muldoon got back into it for a little while. And I saw in some programs that Jimmy had bought the older car, 59, from the earlier 70s that I had just been talking about. But then I don't think he ever raced it, uh, and I don't know that we ever saw it again. I don't. I don't know. So... I don't know if uh, I don't know what happened to that. Uh, maybe somebody can shed some light on that in the comments. But uh, I did read in a couple of different programs that Jimmy Muldoon bought that car um, and was planning to to redo it and bring it out the next year. I think it was right after Joe Paino wrecked it. It was that he bought it and was going to debut it the following year. But then I don't recall that he ever did. Um. But then, uh, let's see, Osgood drove it, and I think Jimmy Muldoon got back in it again, and um, there might have been somebody else in that period, too. But the next one I remember, and again, we're, in, we're to the newer car from, that I think debuted in 75 or so, 70, maybe 76. Uh, Tom Gush drove it in 1980 at the International Classic, and... Finished 11th with it. Did a phenomenal job in the car, I thought. Um, and and again, I don't know. Maybe somebody got some laps in it at some point after that. Maybe Muldoon drove it some again. or um, I'm not sure. But uh, I don't recall a lot about that car's sort of where it went from there as far as after Tom drove it in 1980, I don't have a lot of memory of it. Um, and then they ended up building another car, an offset car, and that's when uh, you started to see some other drivers in it. Wayne Landon, I think, drove it, and there might have been somebody before him, I'm not sure, but I know Wayne drove it for, it seems like, two or three years he was in it, but certainly for a good bit. And then, and, and again, I may be missing a few drivers in here. Uh, Dave McKnight drove, um, McKnight might have, I think Dave Jr. ran maybe, yes, it seems like that car, maybe Dave Jr. ran that a bit too. And I don't know where he fell in the rotation of drivers. I think Landon was first but maybe it was mcknight but uh mcknight landon um and then i recall uh and and again i i get fuzzy on the order of drivers but i know tj potrabowski spent some time in it uh who was a modified driver from the southern tier and um and then billy sharkey ran for them as well and i can't remember if billy was their last driver or not uh and again i may be missing a few guys but that 
that team was around for quite a while, and I thought that the 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 last car that they had in particular uh when Sharky was driving it, I felt like if if they had ever gotten that car dialed in and i I want to say that maybe Billy said that they never had you know the best motor um if I recall that right, you know again, a lot of these teams back then. You know, Steve Miller was another team that couldn't afford the big motors, couldn't afford to to have all that horsepower and, and, and the kind of motor they needed to run up front. Mike Rizzo was another one. You know, uh, gosh, but I but I remember that Billy, I thought, always ran well, especially with a wing on the car. Um, and uh, And then I don't, like I said, I don't remember too much it was either Billy or TJ, I think, that was in it last. I can't remember who came before who, but, um, you know, they were just a a, a great family and, and such huge supporters. Uh, they're, sadly, the racing's gotten so expensive that you just don't, you don't have many Ernie and Bob Junes left anymore, and that's been a big part of the problem because without those car owners only so to speak um you really there's not a lot of places for a driver wanting to come into the class to go unless they can afford to buy and operate a car themselves and um that's kind of a shame you know you you back in the 70s were the heyday for those car owner onlys and you could go to the track and okay you know, you, you knew that you probably weren't going to win, but you at least could go and have a good time. And if you could just get the car just right, and you had the right situation, you know, maybe you didn't make money, but you didn't lose a lot necessarily. You know, it just wasn't. Um, and then, you know, late 70s into the 80s and right on up to today, the costs and, and not all of it obviously is in the control of super modified folk because a lot of it was cost of parts and um you know it, it, other you know suppliers raise their costs because you know their costs to produce the parts and have the parts shipped and whatever i mean all of it you know again it it's just um it's a cycle of life but um I remember the June brothers car so well, and I always loved that fifty nine and they were one of those teams. And this is where I was going with the conversation about only owners and new guys coming in. They were one of those teams that um, they gave a lot of drivers, not necessarily their first shot, but certainly a good shot. Um, and they, they brought in some different guys. George Kent, like I said, first taste of a super was, I think, in that car. Um, and I think he only ran it once, at least at a swig of that I remember. And I think it was at the end of, gosh, I don't know, 74, it must have been 74, maybe 75. I don't remember. But uh, it seems like it was the one of the last races of the season, one of the fall races, and probably uh, a doubleheader, I would assume, with the Modifieds um, when George was already there. I'm not sure. But, uh, I mean, Kent, Tom Gush, um, you know, Brian Osgood had retired and came out of retirement to drive the car, the newer car, um, moved to Florida, and I don't know if he moved back or just was coming from Florida every week or whatever, but I remember him driving the newer car after he'd been gone a, a, a bit. Um, you know, and they, they had a variety. Joe Paino, you know, they, they gave a lot of guys, Winksy, uh, that opportunity. And I, I did pick up a story that was in one of the programs. They did a, a profile on the Junes, and 
um, they were saying that they had, uh, and this was back when Jimmy was racing for them, so it had to be 70, I guess it had to be 73 or 74, because um, I have the program, but I remember reading in that program, last I went through it, that um, they had bought a an IndyCar, what was then a, a USAC car, championship car, an IndyCar, uh, from, I think, Mike Mosley. And they were very high on Jimmy Winks, and they were planning to, um, to, to potentially take him to that level and give him a chance. And again, you, you know, who, I don't know what happened. Uh, it would be fun to, if there's, I don't know, um, you know, to talk to somebody in the June family, um, or somebody who was close to them who could kind of fill in some details for us. I think it'd be a fascinating story as to why that didn't happen and, and what went on. And I also remember a story again from that period, maybe 73, 74, where the car didn't get, wasn't ready for the uh, opening round of the season because there had been a, a, a huge flood in the Elmira area and the car had been you know, damaged in the flood or whatever. And they, they had to, um, fix it or whatever. Uh, so, you know, things that I, that's why I love collecting these programs from back in my youth, because things that I wouldn't have necessarily paid attention to when I was five or six, you know, you just don't retain those little details. Uh, when I first was reading the programs, you know, now I want details and I want, I want as much detail as possible because I'm a knowledge junkie. Um, sorry folks, I can't help it. It's an addiction. Um, and so I, um, I love those details and I love that I could share them with people and they go, I don't ever remember that. Um, so that's just a little bit of time spent, um, maybe paying tribute to, uh, a couple of folks who really, to me added, you know, people like the Junes and Steve Miller and Herm Graff, um, and uh, Ralph Wissing and gosh i know there are a few more from the 70s that were sort of these kind of mid-pack ralph mclaughlin um who was a, a great friend of mine i would love to do a show with ralph if somebody can get me i don't i don't have a number ralph ralph's family ralph and his family grew up i say kitty corner from our house i mean you know we were close enough in the neighborhood i mean our backyard um you know, our the, the, the fence, which I think they owned, um, butted up against, you know, our property. So, you know, we we kind of grew up together. He was older than me. Um I was I loved his parents. Um his wife or his uh mom and dad and uh um his family. Uh so it would be fun for me to do a show with Ralph if if somebody can get me in touch with Ralph. Um, I would love to spend some time with Ralph because I remember like it was yesterday, him, um, telling me that he had bought a super modified and I thought he was joking. I thought he was, <laughs> I thought he was kidding with me. And, um, and, and, uh, that, so I would love to do a show with him if anybody can help get me in touch. Um, so I'm going to call it there. And I noticed that I have been 59 minutes with this portion <laughs> of the show <laughs> so uh that's a great way to stop before it gets to 60 so i'm going to uh 
I'm going to end there. Hope you all enjoyed that. Thank you for putting up with that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, have Camden proud, and uh, we'll close this thing up with some conversation with Cam. So stick around for more of Inside Groove right after this. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. Beware of telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you. Call is threatening you with arrest or other legal action and demanding money are not from us. If you receive a call like this, hang up, do not provide them with any form of payment or information, report the call at oig.ssa.gov. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses, no problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with our September 11th theme, 9-11 theme here today. Uh, we bring in now uh, the Oswego Speedway PR Boffin. And uh, 2019 uh, Super Modified Rookie of the Year, Camden Proud. And uh, good to have Cam back on the show. Um, Cam, I was interested in the fact that I was thinking this morning as I was getting ready to put this show together, um, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'll go ahead and share my 9-11 story because it has some really kind of odd and interesting um, points to it. Uh, And... You know, I was thinking, well, gosh, Cam doesn't have a 9-11 story because Cam would be way too young to even have anything to, to talk about or whatever. Because, I mean, thinking back, you're, you're, you know, you were probably barely one or two years old at, at that point. And then I, lo and behold, you and I chat before we hit the button here and you say, well, I actually do have a 9-11 story. And I'm like, okay, well, then we got to start with that. So, um so tell us, tell us what was going on in your life on September 11, 2001. I was actually at Disney World in Florida, and it was my first time there. I was only two. I was going to say, I can't believe you remembered this at two years old. That's amazing. I vaguely remember some stuff. I know it's, it's kind of funny where people, when they're really young, they'll say, oh, yeah, I remember this, but I really do have uh visions of it when i think of it or, or look at the pictures from that day i can recall um but we were sitting at the lion king show at animal kingdom in disney and they came over the the loudspeaker and said due to the events going on in the world today we will be closing the park immediately please proceed to the nearest exit and that's something that my parents told me obviously i don't wow. i don't remember to that extent but um they were you know, very confused, had no idea what was going on at all. 
and we were kind of rushed out of the park. They put us on buses and uh, brought us back to our hotels, told us to stay in our rooms because obviously Disney World would be a potential target. Yeah, so, I guess if you think about it. That's interesting. Now, did had do you when you've talked to your parents about this? Had they at that moment had they known there was anything like had they known about what was going on in New York or you were probably isolated from that right at the park? No, we had we had no idea. Okay, of course, there's no you know Facebook. So they're Twitter just telling you to get like out, that, and you're so. like, oh my gosh, what is you know what is this? Um, yeah, and of course you're too young to really know anything about what's going on. You're just sort of reacting and watching or whatever, you know, taking it all in, I suppose, um, not knowing what <laughs> what's right. what. So what happened when you got back to the hotel? Did you turn on the TV? And I mean, what do you remember about getting back and after that? Yep, that was it. I think they told me they got in the room and were were still not so clear on what was going on. I think I think possibly they they said we heard some stuff on the bus on the way to the hotel, but they turned the TV on and I think when we got back in was right when the Pentagon was hit. Oh and wow. Yeah, they were covering my eyes and stuff and you know, they didn't want me watching the TV. So we were kind of on lockdown at Caribbean Beach in the hotel in Disney for a couple days and the characters came and, and visited and, you know, they Disney tried their best to lighten the, the mood, but uh, we, we ended up driving all the way home from Florida. Obviously we flew down and air traffic was out of commission for a while. Oh, so right. quite a unique place to be on that day. Now, did you, did you fly back or drive back the next day or did you, I mean, do you remember how, you know, what your timeline was? We stayed, I think, two more days just trying to make arrangements with the rental car and stuff and kind of take in what was going on. And, yeah, I think we left maybe the 13th or 14th. Um, but Did yeah, you go just, back to the park or did they keep it closed? No, they kept it closed. Wow. It was closed for a while. See, again, you just don't think about, like, we focus everything on what was going on in New York and, and obviously in D.C. because those were the big events, right? But you don't, I, I think we, 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 we don't stop to think about how many other people, how their lives were impacted miles away, like yours. Here you were, you know, we're just, we're going to Disney World, man. This is, you know, first time for the kid, and I'm sure your parents were, really excited to bring you there and, you know, Mickey Mouse and all of that, right? And this is supposed to be a big, great, you know, fun vacation. And right. And you're there, I mean, an hour maybe, if that. And, and um, you know, and then all of this happens and, and you never did get to go to Disney World. Um, you know, it, it's amazing how, how, you know, and I, I tell people all the time that, you know, when something happens that's big in the world, it's like, you know, don't just look at this as something that only affects those people over there because, you know, it's we're all one big world. And especially when something happens here in the country and we see so much obviously going on now with the riots and all of that. And, you know, it, I think sometimes it can become easy to say, well, it's not here, you know, where we are at this moment, but it right. could be. At any moment. And, you know, that's, I think, looking back at at 9-11, you know, that's a that's sort of the example that, you know, here you were in Florida 
hours from New York City and and uh, DC, and you know your your life and your parents' life was completely turned upside down by by that because everything you were going to do that day now you're not, and you're sort of stuck in the room and you can't fly, so now you gotta you know figure out how to get back and um yeah that's just crazy wow um when did you finally get back to disney world how long did it take you to get back there uh five years oh wow 2006 i think for the first time with with both of us my sister was born by then and um i think it's kind of still a, a bad memory when we walk through animal kingdom obviously it's we've been several times since but I think that's kind of why we we stayed away for a while. Just not a not a fun memory at all. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I mean, that had to be scary for you too, because you you don't really have a, a you know obviously at that age you don't understand anything, and and your parents are don't look, don't look, and so obviously you know as a two year old that scares you, and then you you know I'm sure you did look at some point, right? And and you know you see these images and and. Um, you know, hear people talk and you just, you know, you don't realize it's kind of like, um, I said this to somebody a while back, we were talking about, um, how far we've come, uh, since the days when, you know, you would, uh, have like air raid drills at school, you know, and you'd have to, you know, hide under the desk or whatever. Um, you know, I, the Russians are coming kind of thing. I mean, I remember those, the, those days very clearly. And, um, you know, you kind of grew up with that Cold War kind of scenario. And then there was, the you know, this long while where it didn't seem like there was really, you know, any imminent threats. And then September 11th happens and we're reminded how vulnerable we are. And then um, I think, you know, a few years go by or whatever. And and it's not that everything normalized because it didn't. Your airport security and everything got much stricter and all that. But. You know, again, um, no more attacks, so you start to sort of fall asleep again, and then here we have the events of what's going on now where we're really being attacked from within, and it just, again, it reminds you how quickly life can change and how life can be over in an instant. That's a, that's a, that's a crazy story, and yeah, so, you know, forevermore now, when you go to Disney World, I mean, obviously, as you get older and whatever, it... You know, the effect of that that situation, you know, being an animal kingdom or whatever, you know, it, it, you remember it. Obviously, it doesn't traumatize you quite as bad, but you remember it and, 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 and you can never you'll never be able to, you know, to go through there again without thinking back to that day. And that's just, uh, you know, that's just and, and again, there are stories all over like that. Um, you know, oh, yeah. mine yeah. earlier is, you know, um, working at a pair of radio stations and having to sort of field those calls and be, um, sort of, uh, you know, I, and ended up having those, those stories, not, not something I sought that day, but it just, so it's just a crazy, um, you know, who would have ever thought kind of scenario, uh, but Wow. Okay. So we'll move forward from that and we'll bring ourselves back to uh, today and what's going on. Obviously, uh, uh, Fast Friday tonight, as we record this on a Friday morning, Fast Friday is tonight. Um, We've got a number of drivers actually involved 
uh, in this Fast Friday. Tell us who's scheduled to be at the track tonight practicing. Sure. Yep, it's looking like a pretty good lineup. Uh, Tyler Thompson will be back this week after good. his engine problems last week. So I think their plan is to try and get that sorted out with the wing off, and then if that goes well, they're going to go to Star next weekend. Okay, good. And so, yeah, so that's that's really good. Um, it's looking like a full field for the Star Classic. And yeah, that's fantastic. That. I'm thrilled about that. So. Uh, Jason Spaulding will be out for the first time this year. I'm unclear as to whether it's with or without a top lane, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Okay. Mike Bruce is subbing for Cameron Rowe in the Hawk 77 tonight. Oh, they no also kidding. bought the Stout Car, okay. the old 49. So there's now two 350s coming out of that stable, and then you also have Mike's 350 owned by Craig Soper. So lots going on there. Yeah. And do we, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, do we know, uh, I mean, is this just for practice? Which do we, is which car? I know that um, I believe both Mike and Cam are planning on going next week to Sta. Um, which car is Mike going to be driving next week? I'm assuming the Soper car, but could he be behind the wheel? Of, will they have the Stout car ready that quickly? I know there was some question whether that could happen. I think they're trying to get the Stout car ready. Uh Cameron can't make it to Fast Friday tonight, so I believe they just want somebody to shake the 77 down. Okay. Uh, I'm sure Mike will be in the Soper car. Okay. Star. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Who else do we have? Uh, four rookies, Griffin Miller, Noah Ratcliffe, Joey DeStevens, and Derek Hilton. Now, um, Joey DeStevens, uh, you mentioned his name, and there has been some significant news Um the De Stevens family has uh, had another baby, so to speak, um, <laughs> since the last time we talked. There are now two De Stevens scheduled to race in 2021. What's up with that? Pretty cool deal. Um, I know we talked a little last week about brothers that have, have raced together, and this will be you know another family name to add to the list, Joey and his brother Tony. Uh, both experienced in quarter midget racing. The, the family knew that they wanted to eventually move both of them up to Oswego. And last week, uh, the Stevens family went out and purchased the Barber Racing number 50 that Dave Cliff has been in the last several years. So they they Oof. absolutely have two stout cars in, in that camp now. And um, actually, Tony's going to practice at Evans Mills Saturday. Okay. Joey at Oswego tonight. And then I think if it goes well Saturday, Tony's going to try to come out to a Swiggo next Friday, and I believe we will have another Fast Friday if there's enough interest. So I'm looking forward to that. Good. Keep it going, man. Keep cars on the racetrack as long as you guys can and as long as there are people willing to go uh, and, and test because, it, you know, at least it keeps some semblance of uh, cars going around the speedway alive. And like I said, right. I think this is great for 2021 because, again, here's another rookie. Um you know, who needs some track time. And uh, if he could get a few test sessions and get, you know, comfortable and learn the line and whatever, that just helps when you come out of the box racing in 21, you're, you know, you're a little less, a uh, little less of a weapon and, you know, a little more, uh, you know, prepared for that. Obviously you don't race against cars on fast Fridays, but um, at least, you know, the line you're supposed to be running. So then, you know, the challenge at that point is the pass timing and all that. But, um, man, I'd like to see I'd like to see that keep going for as long as uh, long as everybody can, and as long as um, you know every, anybody's interested in doing that. 
Um, so he picked up the Barbo 50. Now, the car that Joey has, what car is that again? That's a former Lacerdo car. I think it's... Oh, man. The, I believe it's the first one Anthony ever raced. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Still a stout car, though. Yep, still a stout car. Wow. And actually, Noah Ratcliffe, that's... A few people have asked me about that, and uh, that is the former Dave Latulip 27, the most recent car that, that David raced with before he got in the Castilia ride. Okay. okay. So, yeah, a lot of really, really good race cars for these rookies. That's good. Well, and again, this track time is so valuable. Do we know how old the Stevens kids are? 15 and 16. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? That's great, though, because, again, you give them – they've got plenty of time to, to learn – uh, and and to kind of grow into their feet, so to speak, in that class and um, shoot at that age. Uh, you know, depending on where life takes you, you can run for 20, 25 years at least. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's good. I think the SBS class benefits from that youth coming in, and that really is obviously the entry point um, to the Oswego Speedway, and then you go to 350s, and, you know, maybe if you're fortunate enough, you are able to go to the big blocks eventually as well. But um, I think the fact that we're seeing younger kids like that coming in, and I know you were obviously, what, 15 when you started, I think. And, um, you know, there were a number of of other drivers uh, here recently that have started at that age. So um, I I think that's great that the SBS class can serve that purpose. Uh, Definitely. You know, uh, so good stuff there. Um, who else do we have coming? Did we? Uh, oh, we. I guess you read the rest of the list. Griffin Miller coming back. Griffin, uh, how is Griffin doing over over this year so far in the testing time he's got? Oh, I think he's doing outstanding. Um, Nineteen one. Uh, like I said, that's I believe the fastest. Okay. Lap the, yeah. The so that was turned, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's uh, yeah. That's phenomenal. Um, and again, I, I just think it's great to see the. Um, what amounts to the third generation, I guess, of Miller's uh, running at the Oswego Speedway, and um, he'll have what is it? His cousin? That his cousin? It's going to be running. Yep. Yeah, it'll be his Stephen. cousin. Uh, Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's going to be a really interesting uh, opportunity for the Miller family to continue their tradition of being involved. And uh, we we talked to Steve Miller on an earlier show. Um, and again, a really interesting interview with him, um, started in the early seventies as a car owner and did some driving as well. And so, mm-hmm. um, now his kids and then now his grandkids. So that's, uh, you know, that's a third generation there coming up. So that's all good stuff. Uh, what time does fast Friday start? 3.30 to 7.30. Okay, so no fans allowed inside, but um, if you want to just go out and park a lawn chair, I know I would if I were in town, um, <laughs> just sit and listen. Um, you know, there, there's your time span to do it in, and uh, I'm sure you're going to be providing as many photos and video or whatever as you can um, this evening as well. Um, how is your dad coming along? Let's get to that next. Thank you. Yeah, he's he's coming along good. Um, a lot better, anyway. I, I obviously would like to to see the process go a lot quicker and a lot smoother for him. It's it's tough to see him like that, but 
uh, these these blood clots and, and the pulmonary embolism he's coming back from. It's a long road. They're they're oh, saying yeah. it could take as long as six months or, or a year for a full recovery. So uh, just taking it day by day and, and being patient. He's going back to work Monday for a half day and just trying to take it slow. Good. Well, yeah, patience uh, patience and faith are what's required there. And so, um, you know, everybody just needs to uh, take the time that it takes. And, and I'm sure that by the time next racing season comes around, uh, he'll be good as new and raring to, to uh, get back down to business. Uh, okay, so uh, you've also got something else going on at the Oswego Speedway next month for Halloween that's uh, kind of different. And, you know, thinking about it, after you announced it, um, this is kind of a new, you know, you're, you're obviously, this isn't an original Oswego Speedway idea, but it, it's kind of a, right. a, a, a thing that's happened over the last, I've seen maybe three, four years or so, more organizations are starting to do things like this. And I actually think it's a great way to kind of make Halloween not only safer, but in some ways more fun. And of course, for a racing fan, um, what better an opportunity than to be able to spend part of your Halloween at Oswego Speedway? What is what's going on with uh, Halloween night at Oswego? It's a pretty cool thing. Uh, the city of Oswego and the city county youth bureau are presenting a drive-through trick-or-treating event at the Speedway, and we've partnered with the city to have all that go on on, on Halloween night. Uh, it actually begins at 1 p.m. So vehicles will be able to enter from City Line Road and kind of circle the track, and different businesses and organizations will be handing out free candy and, and goodies and, and stuff like that. So uh, it's it's different. I think it'll be fun for uh, maybe some, some young ones that are also race fans that, that would like to come up and, and start their trick-or-treating at the Speedway. For sure, yeah. I mean, an opportunity to walk inside uh, the Fast Five-Eighths and uh, kind of get a look and, um, you know, gosh, uh, I know I would love to be able to just walk in and get a look at the Speedway from the inside. Um, you know, you can show pictures and video all you want, but there's nothing like standing there. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I've been thinking over the last several months at different times, you know, that, that um, as you get older, I think, um, you know, your, your, your past life, it's kind of like a time machine. You can look at a picture and it can call up, you know, any number of different uh, moments in your life. And certainly the Oswego Speedway for me um, was, uh, well, I mean, it still is a huge part of my life. But it's certainly from 1973 until I first kind of moved out of the area in 2002, well, 2004, actually. Um, no, 2002, when I went to Memphis. Um you know, and wasn't able to get there for the classic for a couple of years, but watched it on on the live stream instead. Um, from from that whole period, you know, and so when I when I come to classic now, and and I can um, go to a test in two night, and I'm sitting in the grandstand where I used to sit as a kid. You know, it's just I'm I'm kind of watching. Part of my brain's focused on what's happening at the moment, and you know, the rest of it's thinking about any number of moments past, and that's what the coolest thing is. And, and so um, for the younger kids that uh, get to come and do that, um, you know, they, they kind of start associating. And I think that's – I hope this is something that maybe the Speedway will think about doing every year in some form or fashion. I'm glad that the city 
and the Youth Bureau decided to, um, you know, put that together and, and at the Speedway, uh, I think it's a great place to have it. Are there going to be drivers there? I mean, are there going to be, um, or is this just kind of a, a, a trick-or-treat thing for the kids? What what can they expect when they get there? There, there might be. Um, we haven't talked about that yet. It's kind of a, a thought that, that came up similar to the milk giveaway deal we did. Um, but as of right now, it's just going to be different businesses and organizations okay. around the city that are participating. Uh, we may very well have a, like a speedway table or booth there with a couple of drivers passing out candy. Yes, yeah, I think it'd be fun. It'd be cool to get you know one or two of the race cars or whatever. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, make it a kind of a racing theme sort of thing, and um, you know, get drivers' autographs or whatever. I think it's an opportunity for everybody to kind of come together in a bit of a different way. I know, obviously, with social distancing, you got to kind of do things a little differently, um, but. You know, I think it would be fun to somehow incorporate some of that anyway. I know, um, you know, for me as a kid, that would have been amazing to be able to mm-hmm. to go see yeah. some of other drivers, right? So, um, well, that sounds like fun, and that's Halloween night. And give us the times again. That starts at 1, and I think it'll just go until all the candy's gone. Oh, okay. So that's in the afternoon then. Um, is Halloween, is that on a Saturday this year? Um, I don't know. Let's see. It has to, I mean, if you're yeah, starting it, it, it I was going to say, if you're starting it that early in the afternoon, you wouldn't wouldn't be during the week. Interesting. Okay, yeah, so good point. Yep. Saturday on the Saturday. Okay, so Saturday, October thirty first, Halloween night. If you're in the Oswego area, um, bring your kids. Uh, you know, bring them out there and uh, and and let them be a part of that. And uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, okay, uh, Star Classic coming up this weekend. We touched on it a few minutes ago. Um, looking like. I think last week when we did the live show, uh, which, by the way, I'm working on uh, working on ripping the audio. I'm hoping I'm, my plan is to have the audio for those of you who don't have Facebook um, or if you have friends who don't have Facebook. I got a couple of requests from the last one that we did, which was the first one with Mike Silliman to rip the audio, and I I just never had the occasion to sit down and, and figure all this out. Um, but this time, I I'm, I did. Uh, so my goal is that sometime over the weekend, this weekend, I'm going to have that on SoundCloud, and I'll send it out just like I would send out a show. Um, so those of you who don't necessarily have Facebook will be able to hear the audio from that live show um and still working on what date in october uh but we'll definitely do one uh we had such a favorable um response from this last one that we did that we're going to definitely do another one in october i think i'm going to try to do it monthly as best i can um we'll see what happens over the holidays uh but uh at least uh another one in october for sure um and uh try to get a driver or two involved hopefully so we'll work on that and uh, and do another one. So look for the audio on our Inside Groove Facebook page uh, sometime over the weekend here as soon as I get time to sit down and make that. I've got it. It's basically half done. I've got it ripped. I've just got to convert it now to MP3 and, and uh, put it up in SoundCloud as soon as I get a chance. But we're going to obviously get this one up first. So um, cool. All right. Uh, what have, uh, oh, we were going to start talking about the star classic here. looks like about 10 was the point I was trying to make nine or 10 drivers from us. We go headed to star, 
for the big block super race. That's a, that's a huge amount of drivers that are going to travel out for this. It is. Yeah. That's awesome to see the the support from Oswego and uh, a few Midwest guys, I think heading out as well. So um, I'm, I'm really, really happy that it's looking like we're going to have a full field 24, 25 cars, which is perfect for star. And yes. it, it looks like it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah, it should be that it should be a lot of fun. Um, and man, it's good to see that uh, we're going to get a good turnout for a classic type event. I uh, wish we could have had a better fate for the high miler this year. And obviously a Swiggo, we didn't run, uh, didn't run that classic. So uh, star is really the big event. Thompson not going to run um supers this year so uh this is really it so it uh, should be a great event um should be a lot of fun and um we're going to try to have uh at least the winner if not the podium um for next week are you going out to star cam uh more than likely yeah i'm kind of just waiting to see what is up with my dad uh yeah. whether or not he can go but if he can't i'll probably still go solo yeah yeah, that's uh, that's cool, um, and uh, hopefully you can help us with some of the coverage from there as well. Um, definitely yep. look, looking forward Absolutely. to it, uh, and it should be a big event. Uh, what have we missed? Anything else that we need to cover? Uh, no, not not really. Uh, we covered the the silly season stuff, the start <laughs> of silly season anyway, with those uh, couple of purchases, and um, I'm sure next week we'll do an in-depth preview of, of Star, and uh, I should have a complete confirmed roster so looking forward to sharing that and uh yeah that's about it uh todd stole ran the track for saturday so if anybody hears a car on the track saturday it's todd stole oh wow so is that a closed rental well i guess every rental's a closed <laughs> i guess technically fast fridays are closed this year but i what i mean is is that a solo uh deal where todd exclusively uh rented the track for himself yeah it is a solo okay. deal okay. from three to seven saturday Interesting. All right. Well, um, again, great to see people still want to get out, run the cars. I mean, I think it's a, like I said, it's a great opportunity to make sure that when 2021 comes around, um, you're dialed in and ready to go. And uh, especially for the newer guys, or if you got a new car like Iosu uh, with Coloca there, that new new uh, marriage, uh, that's a perfect uh, situation for them to just sort of um, be a little bit more relaxed and casual about dialing the car in and make sure that um, it, it starts off stronger next season. So um, good to catch up with you again, obviously. Look forward to more talk about Star next week and, um, you know, as much uh, post coverage uh, as we can once it's over. And um, we'll talk with all of you on episode number 60 of the inside groove next week until then we hope you've enjoyed this show thanks again to our sponsors skips fish fry who by the way is having a clam bake at star speedway so um if you want to know more information about the clam bake sean cathcart is the guy to talk to sean of course the owner of skips fish fry so go uh talk with him on facebook um and uh, and we'll try to get some uh, more information that we can post as well on our page, the Inside Group page, uh, here uh, over the weekend also. So I uh, want to thank Skip's Fish Fry, of course, Sean and his staff. want to thank JNS Paving, Rich Worth, and, and his group um, for all of their support, not just of the show, but of uh, Oswego Speedway in general. And, of course, Jeff West and all the folks from 
IPC Indie, Indie Performance Composites. Uh, please check out their website and uh, go like all of their Facebook pages and say thank you for uh, supporting Super Modified Racing with the Inside Groove podcast. Until next week, for Camden Proud, I'm Tom Baker. Thank you for listening. Please remember, please remember to like, comment, and share. Those are important, obviously, for our social media numbers and to get the word out to as many people as possible. So when you're listening to this show, take a moment, hit the like button, hit the comment button, holler but don't hit, uh, and please share the show to your wall Um, to our social media so that uh, we can get as many people to the party from week to week as possible. We appreciate it. Have a safe weekend, everybody. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit RaceChaserMedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media.